Hello, sustainability partners. This is Lydia Vanderbroek here to share with you best practices around sustainability in hospitality and tourism. And by sustainability, I mean more than mere ecological sustainability, which has thankfully moved into the center of our collective attention over the last few years. If you want to run a truly sustainable operation, you need to also assure economic sustainability, primarily through excellent guest service and human as well as social sustainability by training and empowering your staff and including the communities that you interact with. How? Well, this is where I come in and I talk to real people in real businesses to hear about real solutions to real challenges and I'm happy to share these learnings with you. So if you want to become more sustainable, I invite you to listen in to our conversations and pick out some of these gold nuggets that you can hopefully use in your own operations. And as a side note, every one of my guests has offered to make themselves available for a more in-depth conversation. So by all means, do reach out, connect, and together we can make hospitality and tourism more sustainable. Hello there, friends of sustainable hospitality. I have an absolutely fantastic guest here today. Well, you might have heard me say that before, but still. If your bubble has anything to do with hospitality and sustainability, then you're most likely to have come across her lately. She's a visionary and an implementer, an architect and a hotelier at heart. So let me introduce you to Noel Homsi. She has co-founded Envy Lodges just about a year ago, and please note the plural, and she invites you to join what she calls the travel revolution and evolution. So without further ado, join us in this wonderful conversation about vision, culture, and the future of sustainability. And here we are, Noel. Let me introduce you all to my guest today. It's Noel Homsi, co-founder of Envy Lodges. Although, Noel, I have heard you pronounce your name slightly differently. Isn't that right, Noel? Hi, Lydia. It's it's uh, it's an honor for me to be with you, having this conversation. And you're one of the few people who have actually pronounced my name pretty close to what it is. It is Noel Hamsti, but I'm not expecting you to pronounce the H the way I do. To introduce myself, I'm the co-founder of Envy Lodges. For those of you who don't know Envy, it's a new luxury ecology brand and management company that was launched uh, around a year ago. We're based in Dubai. And what we do is we focus on operating luxury ecologists that are immersed in nature and that are in remote destinations with very high uh, levels of sustainability. All right. This is exactly what we're all about, right? We talk about sustainability on this podcast. And as I've uh, introduced to you before, we want to cover not only the topic of ecological sustainability, although I'm sure we're going to touch on that topic as well, but also human, social sustainability. And then, of course, the guest experience, which leads to economic sustainability, without which all the other 
levels of sustainability just aren't going to happen, right? So thank you for taking the time. I know this is a super exciting time for you. I follow you on social media. You everywhere. Maybe it's just my filter perception um, <laughs> these days. There, it's an exciting time for you. What's been going on over the past few months? Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that, so we know where you stand in the development of your launches. The past few months have been uh, one of the most. Uh, exciting times of our uh, of our journey and one of the busiest uh, as well. We started earlier this year by announcing our first project, which is going to be a 40 key beach ecolodge on the beautiful Red Sea in Saudi Arabia. And then again, early in September this year, we announced our second project in a place called Wadi Hanifa outside of Riyadh which is going to be, again, 50 keys in a, a palm plantation. So a bit of a different experience than the first. And the third one, which was the most recent announcement, happened at the Future Hospitality Summit here in Dubai. And we announced a circuit of three ecologists in the district of Al-Ahsa in uh, Saudi Arabia which is one of the priority destinations when it comes to the new national uh, tourism strategy uh, of the country. So a circuit of three lodges. One is going to be in a farm, in a date farm. Uh, the second is going to be on a beautiful mountain with caves. Uh, so great experience we can create there. And the third one is going to be beachfront. Incredible. All this in the course of just about a year, right? You were officially founded about a year ago, if I remember that correctly. Yes, correct. We launched the brand and the company at uh, the Future Hospitality Summit in Dubai in 2021, September 21. And we've had, you know, we've received great interest from the investment community, from potential owners, even from our peers on social media, calls, whatever you want to you want to call it, but great interest and excitement from the industry because we are bringing something new to the table. We're not, we're not claiming that we're reinventing the wheel. The concept of ecologists have existed for many years. They started in Africa with the safari camps to bring people closer to nature and closer to animals. And obviously this concept has been growing in South America, uh, in South e uh, Southeast Asia. But uh, we are the first brand that was born in the Middle East and that is growing primarily in the Middle East. And from there, we're planning again our global and international expansion. So if you're not reinventing the wheel, how do you revolutionize hospitality, as you claim, with your, with your brand? We'd like to think that we are disruptors together with other players in the market. But when you all have the same greater purpose and the same objective that you're working on, which is beyond making profits for your shareholders and beyond your valuations, then your other competitors, if you want, are no longer competitors. They become kind of your fellow advocates that are, you know, helping you with reaching this greater good purpose. So we don't want to say we are revolutionizing the industry alone. And we don't want to be. On the contrary, the more players that are working towards making the, the hospitality industry a greener 
and more eco-friendly and more sustainable industry, then we would be actually achieving our goal. You would be. So you're inviting people to be part of the travel revolution, evolution. Uh, and that's exactly what we're doing with this podcast, right? We're trying to put together best practices so that others may be able to learn from them and become more sustainable as well up until the point where sustainability is not a new thing anymore or even an added benefit or a USP of any sort, but a, just a new way, the natural way of doing things, right? For sure. And, you know, the, the greater impact will obviously come from the big players or the monsters, if you want, in the industry, because obviously they have more property, they have greater reach. And, and to be honest, they've started, they, they've started to release their sustainability reports, their carbon footprint reports, and they're doing a great job. But let's be fair, their job is not as easy. It's very difficult to retrofit all their existing properties uh, and convert them to become more green. It's obviously easier for, for brands that are starting fresh, uh, like us, to kind of drive the change and set the right standards. Because until now, there are no universally agreed standards when it comes to hospitality or sustainability in hospitality. We've set our own standards that are aligned with the international, with the, with the uh, UN's 17 SDGs. And again, together with our partners who are Beyond Green, one of the world's leading alliance of eco-hotels and resorts. We've worked on our design guidelines, our technical standards, our, our SOPs, and we've integrated sustainability within all of them, across uh, all of these. And all of our future lodges will be uh, undergoing or will be subject to periodic inspections by Beyond Green to make sure that they're in compliance with, with their more than 200 criteria, I believe. So you're going to be evaluated, but first you're going to put up a great number of fantastic properties, right? So in your mind, what do you envision when you think about your properties? So they, they're not in existence yet, right? Uh, so they're going to be built. So what can we look forward to? How can I envision one of your Envy properties? You know, when we look at a new project, we work um, the other way around uh, when it comes to designing, you know, this experience. or the, We don't say, okay, we're going to put tents uh, and then let's think about what the guests can do there while they're there. What we do is we think about the experience first. We create the guest journey, whether over it's over two, three nights, whatever the length of stay is. What can the guests do? Who can they interact with? How can they sometimes farm or pick up their own vegetables, give it to the chef, engage in a farm-to-table experience, maybe deal with the farm animals, maybe go on an adventure experience. All of this is designed, put in a journey, created as a full guest experience, and then the accommodation falls right into place. This is when we say, okay, what would be the right accommodation units, the right design, the right materials that would fit uh, in the site and in this experience. So we, we put a very high focus or we give great importance to the experience because this is what's going to bring back our guests, right? They're not going to book the same room just to stay and sleep and, you know, 
look at the stars, although, you know, stargazing is now one of the popular experiences, but they're going to come back for the experience because this experience is going to be, or we're hoping to create this experience to be transformational for our guests. What it means is that they will be different people after they experience it. They will either become more aware of the local culture through their interaction with local communities, or they're going to become more aware of the environment. It's going to teach them how to change their habits beyond their stay at the lodge. And this is essentially what we want to achieve. We want to to nudge our guests to change their habits. We don't want to police them. Nobody wants, you know, passive aggressive notes written around the hotel to kind of recycle or not use your towels more than once or put the, the waste in the right bins. Guests are on vacation and they want to enjoy it and they don't want anyone policing them. But when you engage them in your sustainability program and in your sustainability initiatives, they'd be happy to participate. And they take that with them at home and educate their kids as well. I like the idea of not policing the guests. Yes, I'm sure they're going to enjoy that. So you do have an interesting background in the way of uh, your education, right? You're not originally from the hospitality industry. You come from the architectural side of things, right? So we can expect great things as far as architecture is concerned. So can you tell us a little bit what, what brought you into this realm of hospitality in the first place, please? Correct. <laughs> Thanks for doing your research, Lydia. Uh, I, I do come from an architectural um, uh, background. I'm an architect by training and I've worked in different functions and disciplines, if you want, to reach um, hospitality, which was in my mind since my architecture days. And I've, I've, I've come to realize, although I had you know, some insecurities about my background for some time because I didn't have a, a steady career path or you know, a steady growth in a, in a certain, you know, in a certain industry. So I always thought, okay, what can I do out of that? You know, I have a bit of everything, but no clear career path. And people would question, you know, what are you doing? Why are you, are you getting bored? Is there no stability in your career? And then I've come to realize, as I was saying, that having a diverse background and knowing uh, a, a bit of everything is actually a skill in itself. Because you often bring ideas from different industries and different sectors and functions and create something out of it. Whereas, you know, this is an advantage uh, as compared to someone who has been seeing the same thing over and over again. And this is what I'm trying to do at Envy Lodges. I'm in charge of everything that has to do with uh, development and technical services and working with the designers and the architects and the specialists to deliver a nice project at the end. And we found that this is really necessary when you are dealing with a brand that is so specialized and so focused with such a strong identity and such strong, not design standards, not at all, very far from it, because every project is going to be unique with its own identity. But we want to maintain, you know, the values that we have agreed on for Envy Lodges. And for that reason, we need to have a more active role when it comes to working with the owner's team, the designers, the specialists, the contractors on site, looking at the mock-up unit, 
at the prototype, because every product is going to be tailor-made or custom for, for the location and for the market and for the owner's vision. Uh, and hence, you know, my background would help, <laughs> uh, I believe, uh, in taking this active role and driving, you know, the development of every project in the right direction. Oh, exciting. This sounds truly exciting. So what can we expect as far as materials or ideas around making the, the, the buildings themselves sustainable? I mean, you are definitely in the fantastic yet challenging situation of building everything from scratch, right? Um, uh, you do not have the retrofit. You can, you can develop it all. But it also brings some challenges with it, right? You have to start from the ground up. So what, what can we expect as far as, as far as the hardware is concerned around sustainability? Do you have any yeah. Comments? So look, Legion, we focused on uh, three types of accommodation or construction methods, if you want. The first one is the tents, the luxury tents that we all know. Uh, and these could come in different variations. They could be fully canvas or they could come with, uh, with um, insulated panels, composite panels wrapped in canvas with a canvas roof. And they come in different sizes, shapes. Uh, there are some that are off the shelf for projects that are you know, fast track. For other projects that are you know, more luxury, we can afford to tailor the design of these, uh, of these tents. And we have preferred, you know, suppliers not preferred but we have you know our relationships with with uh, the best suppliers and manufacturers in the world depending know your standards and correct and depending on every region as well because when you're talking sustainability and you're talking you know using sustainable sustainable materials you don't want to ship something that is considered recycled and sustainable, you ship it across the Atlantic just to say you've used this this type of material. It defeats the purpose because the carbon footprint at the end of the day is going to be much higher than using whatever is available locally. So we focus a lot on using local materials, using natural materials, uh, working with local uh, manufacturers. uh, And this extends obviously beyond construction also. It, it, it goes to our food philosophy, working with local farmers. So everything that is local for us uh, is, a, is a much preferred route. So the tents, as I was saying, is the first category that we fo- focus on when it comes to method of construction. The second one would be anything that is prefab. So prefab units that are manufactured in the, um, in the manufacturing, manufacturing facility, in the factory, and they come in as modular units and they're installed on site on a special platform that have a very uh, light you know touch or light impact on on the ground so this is the whole intention beyond uh, us working with tents with prefab modular units and the third one would be anything that is alternative from tree houses nests uh, barrels uh, floating pods you know, anything that you can think of that, again, is light structure and has a low impact on the environment. The whole variety of rooms we can expect from an Envy Lodge. So one thought I've been having is about the remote location, which, of course, brings or has the potential for a great guest experience. But it also, or does it not, also bring great challenges as far as bringing stuff there 
or even, I don't know, interrupting nature in the sense that it wouldn't be sustainable anymore. So I guess there's there's many layers to being in a remote place. Number one, you're going into nature. The best way, that's what I hear sometimes from people, is the best way to, to be sustainable is to not to build a hotel in the first place. That's 100%. What that's what I always say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and there, there is a point to it, right? And then, of course, the second part is you have to transport everything over there. And, and many of the remote places, I could imagine, it'll be difficult to even have local food that a guest would expect in a, you know, in a, in an eco luxury tent or village or hotel or lodge, whatever. Yeah. I'm going to answer your challenges part of the question, but let me go back to not building anything because this is something I always, you know, use when I'm speaking about uh, a minimum impact on the environment. And I say the, the minimum impact you can have while, you know, building sustainably is actually not doing anything, is not touching, not, not building, not even stepping a foot on, on, this, uh, on this land. But this, again, defeats the purpose of, of tourism. Tourism started with, you know, local communities inviting travelers, inviting tourists to come and visit their, their towns, to visit their forests, to visit, you know, their places in an attempt for them to make some benefit out of it, right? So the net product, if you want, of tourism was meant to be positive, back in the days when it started. It's meant to have a positive impact on the environment, on the local communities, and on the culture that is being preserved when, when, when it's being boosted by, by tourism. But obviously, tourists, and we are part of them, the hospitality industry, uh, have lost the plot. It, it took a, a dire turn, and we're now where we are now, uh, with the hospitality being one of the worst, you know, industries when it comes to carbon footprint. If we go back to the original intention of tourism, it is what we now call regenerative tourism. You know, regenerative tourism, to be honest, is tourism what it was once. Uh, and this means leaving a positive impact on the environment. And this is what we intend to do. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not always easy, as you said, because in remote destinations, you know, there are a lot of challenges. Although I'm not a fan of what we call offsetting, because it kind of, it feels like you're intentionally hurting and then apologizing. But, uh, you know, oftentimes to be able to provide this luxury experience, as you said, to the guests and to, to create those opportunities to bring the guests closer to some cultures, to local communities and to nature, you have to use the, the, the system of offsetting because you are damaging. and on so far there aren't you know the right solutions and the right technologies to not damage in the first place sometimes we're in remote sites where we're not even connected to the grid we have to create our own electricity to find water to 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 install you know uh, sewage treatment uh, plants uh, uh, for sewage and and this is all costly sustainability is costly and and to be able to, again, contribute to the greater good, sustainability cannot be only for the rich. It has to become more and more affordable so that we transform the entire industry to become more green. And it is, you know, it, it is, I, I believe it is our responsibility. 
and the responsibility of other companies that are driving this change in the industry to work with the suppliers, to push them, to, to innovate and create, to show them that there is demand or to create the demand for such solutions so that they can become you know, more affordable and more available in different markets. I really like the idea of, of making ecotourism truly affordable. I mean, it's all understandable if you consider how much it actually costs. Like you say, sustainability is not, is not for a meek. It costs money, but it would be lovely if just, you know, normal tourism would be sustainable tourism, right? And it wouldn't cost me a thousand dollars a night to stay somewhere that just happens to be non-damaging, right? <laughs> that, 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 100%. That, Sustainability should not be a luxury as it is being seen today. Exactly. It should become the norm. And when it becomes the norm, it means it becomes affordable to different classes of travelers and different classes of citizens. That's our long, our long aim in all this. So um, another area which I talk about when I talk about sustainability is the social human part of it. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, communities. Can we start with that? How? What is your plan around uh, interacting with communities? Do you have you have your locations all scouted? So uh, uh, how do you interact with them? How do you how do you yeah. get excited about the project, or do they have even uh, a say in it from the beginning? Obviously, local communities differ from from one place to the other. There are some remote sites which don't even have local communities. You know, it's like deserted sites. But for us, essentially, sustainability starts with the human first. There is no point of asking the locals to fish sustainably or not fish a specific type of fish because it's, it's, it's going extinct if they don't have any other way to feed the, their children at home. There is no point and it's not going to happen. So unless you take care of the human first, of your local communities, then you can't expect them to work with you towards the same goal of achieving you know, sustainability in such, such a destination. And this is why one of our seven pillars that form part of our sustainability program at Envy Lodges is supporting local communities. It comes equal to respecting the land, to protecting wildlife, to engaging guests, to working with renewable sources of energy. So it sits at a very high level when it comes to, you know, importance and, and what we should focus on. Working with local communities is oftentimes not easy, but obviously you, you have to engage them and you have to bring them to participate in, in, in the decisions. Because at the end of the day, they are the people who protected this land and, and kept it, you know, in, most of the time intact for you to come and benefit from this virgin, beautiful land that is still in its, in its initial form. So they are giving you something. They are contributing to your tourism strategy or to your concept and your project. And you have to give them something back. When you support these local communities, you have to remember that it goes beyond just creating a job. It crosses generations because when you help them with, let's say, improving their local school or provide buses for, for, them, for their kids to go to school, imagine the impact 
that, that you can, the social impact that you can have on one family who now has educated kids who can now, you know, improve their livelihoods and then change uh, their status for the generations and generations to come. <laughs> so this is the real impact uh, that we talk about when we say, yes, we want to be part of the, of the greater good. I mean, certain areas do not have, like you said, if you go into the desert, there is not going to be much of a local community. But do you interact from the scratch with the local communities? For sure. And, and as I said, interacting with them goes beyond just creating a job for them. So it's important to involve them in the decision from the start and, and not only involve them, but understand what their needs are and understand what they can offer us. Because we, as I said, we, we, our objective is to go local and then whatever we cannot source locally, then we can see, we can look at ways to, at, at neighbor, neighboring, you know, locations for us to source. And when I say source, it's not only materials, it's also guides, for example, tourist guides, adventure guides to take our guests and show them the destination, because at the end of the day, they are the ones who know the destination more than us. They've been there for, for ages and they're the best guides, you know, to, 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 to show us even around. Sometimes they show us things that, you know, we had no clue. They tell us, oh, there's a well somewhere down there, you know, which we wouldn't be aware of. So it's important to talk to them from the start because they they obviously create a lot of value and they open up our eyes and they, they 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 show us different ways in which they can contribute whether through their their agriculture through their farms their animals their storytelling which can be a great experience for for guests when they're sitting you know imagine sitting around a bonfire and you have a local who has been there from their ancestors, it was like, I don't know, 10th generation in the same location, telling these stories and myths about the location. This creates a lot of value. And this is the type of experience that would be transformational for our guests and would make them come and come again. For sure. And really create understanding for different cultures. Who knows where that can take us, right? When they come back. Talk about jobs as well. And this is, of course, the heart of what I do. You talk about creating jobs. What are your plans on? I mean, not creating the jobs, but getting people to to actually do the jobs at the level that you expect them to do. Do you have training uh, in on the horizon? What's what's your what's your plan around that? Obviously, when you work in in remote destinations and you want to employ people from the local communities, you don't expect them to be tourism and hospitality grads or people who have uh, been trained in you know five star luxury hotels. So yes. To answer your question, uh, uh, you know, briefly, we do have uh, training programs and we're now even developing our outdoor hospitality training program that could be offered eventually to, to, to other, I don't want to call them graduates, but other people or staff who would want to enter this industry, <coughs> excuse me, because there aren't many, you know, out there providing this sort of training. Yes, there are. There's a lot to learn from the traditional, uh, you know, luxury hotels of this world. But then again, there's a lot that needs to be adapted to these remote destinations, where sometimes it's very difficult to live in these hard, you know, weather conditions in the middle of nowhere, where you don't have a shopping mall, 
sometimes you know you don't have a hospital it's very far from civilization so it takes a lot to obviously attract the right talent and you don't want to attract them with the wrong reasons you want to attract them because they believe in in, in what they're doing they're aligned on the values uh, and they're happy to be there and then obviously providing them with the right training to create this luxury experience for the guests and this transformational and memorable experience for the guests in the middle of nowhere and with the local communities. And to somehow communicate what we consider to be luxury, right? For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the, the definition of luxury has changed throughout the years. For us now, luxury is no longer about the marbles and the chandeliers and the bells and whistles of you know that we're used to in this industry. It's more about first the luxury of time, you to have time to sit in nature, the luxury of being in nature, communing with the environment, the luxury of authenticity and communicating and interacting with the local communities. And obviously the luxury of knowing that your travel and 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 your stay and your trip and your indulgences actually left a positive impact on the environment uh, and not a negative one mm-hmm. and this is luxury for us and hopefully for our guests as well yeah and that's actually easier to train right to train people on that concept of luxury than on like you said uh, the marble and the shiny chandeliers right Yeah, I'm not saying that the quality of the service won't be luxury. No, the product has changed a lot, but the the the, the service has has shifted to focus on providing the luxury experience in this different context, if you want, mm-hmm. for the guests. Well, I mean, you you for me, you're 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 preaching to the church church choir uh, because many years ago we started already where I worked before we started to let go of the idea of having to serve from this side and having to re, uh, you know, uh, clear out from that side and become more of a, you know, have it be elegant and have it be very, very, you know, lovely and, and respectful and all of that. But nobody, I don't think people go to restaurants anymore because they serve from the right and, 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 and clear from the left or the other way around. So there are other traits that make, uh, right. that make, Experience a luxurious experience, right? And Correct. I think, yeah. I think you would remember. You would remember more a very genuine, interesting chat, five minute chat that you have with your waiter or you know someone at the hotel, rather than which side they serve right. your your dish on. Right, and this needs to be communicated from the leaders, right? We briefly talked about the concept of the corporate culture, the culture of the team, the team culture that support it all what are your thoughts how are you going to create that sort of uh, culture where where people can exhibit this sort of yeah service mentality that you envision for your lodges it all starts with with hiring the right people because it's always easier to to have it right from the start to have a good fit for the people rather than trying to train them and change and you know, trying to shape the culture when you're a much bigger company. And this is why culture is very high on our agendas now. Although we're, we're a small team, we're, we're a startup, we're still a tiny team, but we have started to think about culture since day one. And 
I think for me, one of the most important elements of success is when you, you, you create a company that attracts talent for the right reasons, attracts talent because they feel that they're aligned with your vision. They're aligned with your values. They want to work for you because they want, they, 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 they're excited to be part of your team, not just because they're looking for a job and that's the, you know, that's the only acceptance that they've got. This is what success is to me, one of the elements of success. Well, there's a lot to success. And this starts, you know, as I told you early on, with hiring the right people and obviously equipping them with the right tools and the right training and the right supervisors and putting the right systems and the right structure. Although too much structure, we were saying, and too much, too many systems could sometimes take away this personal experience and this authentic experience that you want guests to feel with your staff at the property level. But this doesn't mean that behind the scenes, we're well organized uh, and we function like a company that is ready to scale uh, and ready to operate ecologies uh, uh, around the globe. So that was my, although this was such a nice plaidoyer for a corporate culture to create a sort of organization that people want to work for, because they share the same vision and the same values. It's a fantastic Plato. I still want to ask you, what are your future plans? What if you're looking into the glass ball? Uh, you have so much on your table as it is, but still, I'm sure you're looking ahead over what's, what's on the plate right now. What's, what's next? I've mentioned that, that we've announced a few projects. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a few that we're also planning to announce before the end of the year. Uh, and then in addition to continuing our growth plans, Beyond the Middle East, uh, we're looking at expansion in different regions uh, in Africa, Europe, Asia, and hopefully the Americas as well. We have to execute, right? It's not, it doesn't stop here. Uh, yes, we're excited about signing. Yes, we're excited about working with our partners, with the designers, with the specialists. Uh, and this is where, this is the phase where we're at now on the projects that, uh, that we've announced. But I'm very excited to see these projects come to life. I'm so excited to be a guest <laughs> there. Although after the, 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 the pre-opening period, I'm not sure I'm going to, you know, uh, <laughs> be acting fully as a guest and being able to relax fully. <laughs> I don't think so either. But I think this is, the, this is what the next chapter brings for us. And once we have, you know, properties to showcase and properties to learn from and to adjust and, you know, kind of build on, it becomes much easier for again, our growth in different regions and even in this region. Well, Noel, it seems like you, not only as a person, but as a, as a company, you have the heart in the right place. And as you say, I mean, you still have to execute, but it really helps to start with an attitude that, in my opinion, at least, is the one that really will propel you forwards and towards your goals. Thank I really appreciate so you taking the time amidst all this excitement and all these things that are going on for this conversation. Thank you so much. It's been a true pleasure talking to you. The pleasure is all mine, Nidia. Thank you so much. All right. And I hope to talk to you soon about how you actually managed to implement all of these fantastic plans, right? For sure. I hope I'll only have good news by then. Well, we'll definitely have stories to talk about. For sure. I'll be all back. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
So, dear listeners, I hope you have enjoyed this conversation as much as I have. And as usual, please do not hesitate to reach out to my guest today. Again, it's Noel Homsey. That's H-O-M-S-Y at Envilogist. It's E-N-V-I-Logist. You can reach her via LinkedIn. I'm pretty sure she will answer your message. If you reach out to her, she did answer mine. So make sure you reach out to her with any questions you might have. Get in touch with her, hear more about what she does. And, you know, you never know what these conversations lead to. Thank you very much for being here with us today. And I'm looking forward to our next conversation very, very soon. Thanks. Bye-bye.